And welcome back into the Canucks and Pucks podcast on, uh, I mean, we're into the off season. Uh, we haven't had an episode in a while, but, uh, you know, with the expansion draft coming up and uh, Canucks kind of being in the news here in the last uh, few days, um, making some a trade. And we're back in with um, with my co-host, Dan. How are you doing today, Dan? I am amazing. Uh, very interesting season. I'm really looking forward to talking about this and the expansion draft and what the Canucks are doing. Yeah, it's, you know, the Canucks were, they've caught, you know, Jim Benning came in and said that he wants to improve the team's depth as the third line was a big target of his and, you know, and he did it. I mean, he got a guy, Jason Dickinson, that's, you know, he is a prototypical third line center, uh, does all the matchup duties. He takes his face off numbers aren't too bit too good. Uh, he's not, he's not above 50%, but that can be improved, but his other parts of his game are really solid defensively. And I think that's what the Canucks need on that third line. Yeah, I think it goes to the Manny Malhotra comparisons with a lot of people are using, but I think it's just taking pressure off of Bo Horda. I mean, the reality mm-hmm. is Brandon Sutter was not, while a good penalty killer, Brandon Sutter is slow. Um, his game, like I said last year, games passed him by, it's continued to pass him by. And I think that you know, they're in a situation here where they've got a young guy who's coming into his, say, I don't know if you want to call it prime, but he's certainly coming into his own. And he's going to be a good contributor along with uh, Pod Colson coming in. And the Canucks are going to be a much improved team. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping we can talk a little bit about last season because we never did an end of season podcast. And I think it's really important because a couple of things I want to say, but it's been very, very disappointing in a lot of Canucks fans uh, right now lately. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the thing is, yeah, let's talk about last season for a sec. And, uh, you know, last season there was, we all know about the COVID uh, pandemic and that kind of uprooted a lot of things that really derailed a lot of development in a lot of places, not just the Canucks. Um, you know, the regular season was all over the place. We we know, uh, with the, you know, the Canucks had that scare or not a scare, but I mean, they, they had to shut down for a while. A lot of the players went through COVID and, you uh, you know, this season, I think, is a write-off, in my opinion. Um, it can't be judged on where the development is in this team. Uh, this is a fresh start coming into this next season. And I think that's that's the biggest thing you take away is that this season doesn't really – I don't think this past season matters too much in where the Canucks are. You shouldn't be thinking, oh, you blow up the team because they missed the playoffs and they didn't look too good again. There is stuff to improve for sure, but, you know – I think it's incredible that people would take this last season and they would sit there and attribute it as it's some sort of an indicator. Like, and, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but Montreal fed off of Vancouver because it was a good matchup for them. Oh, yeah. Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid scored 100 points because the North Division was a good matchup for them. I'm not trying to put, you know, I'm not trying to take away from the accomplishments and I'm not trying to take away from the challenges that Canucks had. The reality is what happened uh, with the bottom six bit Jim Benning in the butt last year. Yeah. And rightfully so. Those signings killed them. It hurt them. They didn't have the depth because of it. And at the end of the season, it showed. They weren't able to overcome any of the COVID issues. And that's life. But having said that, anyone who puts real stock into that in terms of, oh, like you said, blow up the team. And here's Pedersen. And, oh, he, he's not going to be as good. Um, or, you know, they're going to have some challenges. And, oh, Nick Suzuki's better than Pedersen. I mean, give your heads a shake, everybody. Say, grow up. Grow up. Like, this is It's mentally insane. The only thing that you can say is realistic or that you could take something away from was Tampa Bay's run. And even then, 
is it valid to say that they were $18 million over the cap? Probably. But we've oh, yeah. seen, pardon me. Pardon me. We've seen lots of teams do it in the past. So why is it that all of a sudden Tampa Bay is the bad guy here? Uh, I don't know. It, it drives me nuts. Yeah. And I mean, yes, they were $18 million over the cap, but they did it legitimately and they didn't break any rules. And, uh, you know, that's how it is. legitimately had surgery. So, so, so they're just supposed to say, oh, well, because he had surgery, we have to count his salary against the cap. I mean, this is what just drives me nuts. People are just jealous when teams are capable of doing the right thing. And they're also jealous because yeah, Jim Jim Benning, excuse me. He hasn't, I think he's made a lot of mistakes. He's made a lot of good moves. Uh, I think um, that's at least on the draft side of it. But yeah, uh, in terms of player personnel, yeah, he hasn't done a very good job, and that's warranted criticism. Yeah, um, to start this se- this off season, he's done. A, I'd say this first move getting Dickinson is a pre- is pretty solid. We'll see what happens in free agency, what other trades he makes. But uh, this first move, I'm I'm a big fan of, and like you said about Horvat, and I said this in my article on Dickinson that he's going to take a lot of those tough minutes that Horvat's had to deal with in the last few seasons. Uh, those defensive zone face-offs, those, uh, you know, first unit penalty kill, uh, matching up against the top lines. He won't have to do as much of that with Dickinson in the lineup. And I think that's the biggest takeaway I'd say from getting him. Yeah, and, and I think the other side of it, too, is that people forget that the Canucks are not, like, a bad hockey team. They just had a bad season, and that happens. Look at the Colorado Avalanche. The one year they won their division, and then the next year they missed the playoffs. Yeah. We, we, we've seen teams take – regression after making the playoffs and showing promise right so yeah. i think it's just really important for us to to take things and and know that first of all the the junk is leaving and i know this sounds bad but the junk is leaving brandon Sutter's not back um, and i love alex edler i wish him all the best in the world um he is not a four five or four three four defenseman anymore he's he's a five six and a depth guy on a team that wants to make a stanley cup run but vancouver's top four is still as good as, 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 as any in the division, in my opinion, right now in the Pacific. I and mean, you've got Quinn Hughes. I, love, I thought Tyler Myers had a great year last year overall, but do you really take anything away from that? Nate Schmidt. And you still have uh, Jack Rathbone now, who showed at the end of the season, hey, this kid's going to be legit. So Vancouver's top four is really good. It's how is Yolevi able to be consistent now? Does Travis Green have faith in him? And who do you bring in or who do you sign? Uh, to fill that role. And I think that's where Vancouver's at on their defense. Yeah. I want to, I want to hear your opinion on, on, I mean, on Adam Larson. Um, there is talk about him leaving Edmonton. There is talk about him staying too, but there has been rumors about the Canucks being interested in him. I don't know if they're legitimate rumors or just everyone's speculating, but uh, what do you think his fit in Vancouver would be? Well, was Adam Larson really that good in Edmonton? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't know. I know he's traded one for one for Taylor Hall. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know if Adam Larson is, is that good. I, I really don't. I don't know if he's that good that you would give him that level of a contract. If you're going to complain about Tyler Myers, in my personal opinion, I think Tyler Myers is a better defenseman because he moves the puck better. Yeah. I don't know if Adam Larson is that type of a defenseman that you would pay that type of money to. And I'm not saying they would, shouldn't. I just, I don't know. I think there's better options out there. When you look at the free agent pool, I think Vancouver could add much more depth and, and do better than, um, than Adam Larson. And that's just my opinion on it. Yeah, I'm on the fence with him too. I think 
he would bring uh, something to the Canucks that, you know, Edler's leaving. He does bring that a similar game. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think there are better options out there when you look in the free agent pool. Uh, but we'll see. That That's a huge discussion uh, for another podcast on free agency. Absolutely. But. That's that's for, yeah, that's for a free agency podcast. <laughs> and that's for after the after the draft as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, let's let's move into the expansion draft, which is tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow night um, already kind of I don't know if this leak is true about Alex Kerfa being already part of the Kraken um, with that leaked video. But that's another another discussion. But let's start with the guys that the Kraken could pick from the Canucks before we kind of dive into other names that are around from the other teams. Um, who do you think? will uh, be picked by the Kraken ultimately? Well, the two names I see the most are Braden Holtby, obviously. And then, um, but I've seen Joe, Jonah Gadjevich, who was talked about today. Um, I had him picked, uh, or sorry, I had Zach McEwen actually picked yeah. by uh, the Kraken. And simply because of size and speed and experience, he's coming into his own. Um, I think Cole Lind is still probably maybe a year really away. I know he had a, a reasonable campaign but he you know on the a and then with the canucks but he, you know colin still hasn't shown he can play the nhl whereas zach McEwen has shown that he yeah. can play and given the right role and given the right players and, and that i'm sure that he would be a contributor and that's you know if i'm if i'm uh seattle kraken he's a reasonable contract you're able to fit him into your bottom six and probably your your, your fourth line but still with speed and he has that ability that's who i would pick if i was the kraken yeah, I'm the same same uh, decision. I I've had McEwen go into the Kraken as well, just because, like what you said, is he has experience in the NHL. He's shown he can play that third fourth line role, and he has something to give offensively. I mean, it's not going to be a 20 goal score, but he could still be that 10 15 goal guy, or even just a third fourth line energy player. That you know, we saw in Vegas, they've got a few of those guys in the third and fourth lines that drive their their bottom six and you know, having a guy that you know can play in that role is huge. And there are other names like Lyndon Gadjevich could grow into those types of players that may have more potential. But uh, if you're looking at a guy that's going to be, you can plug into your lineup right away, uh, McEwen's definitely that guy. Or even a guy like Matthew Highmore has been talked about as well. So if I was a Kraken, I'd pick McEwen too. But uh, we'll see what they do. Yeah, I'm not. I'm- yeah, I don't even want to get into Matthew Highmore. I, I just, and he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's playing in the NHL, so I'm not going to be critical in that sense. I just, I, I just think you, you know, if you're the Kraken and you saw the success that Vegas has had, and you see the caliber of players that are available, you're trying to build the best team of, of basically three second line team, second lines, three second lines, and a third line. That's your fourth line. That's what you're trying to build. And I think McEwen fits into that kind of third slash fourth line that can not just provide um, that grit that you're going to be looking for, especially if you're competing against Vancouver, Edmonton, um, Los Angeles, which looks a lot better this year. Um, And and again, Vancouver, which honestly should be a much better team than uh, last year. Yeah, and I mean, I thought, before all this stuff with, uh, we'll talk about Carey Price in a sec, but uh, I thought Colby was going to be the hands down pick, but it's not so much anymore. And there's been talk about his salary and, you know, taking on his salary, but you know, there's talk about getting Price and he's got a huge salary. So uh, we'll see what, what they ultimately do 
uh, in the end. Well, so let's yeah, so so let's dive into Carey Price because I think the thing is is that one of the things that Vegas did was the foundation of that team when they built it was from the middle up. So they picked Flurry, and then they built and they got their centers right, and then yeah. they and then they acquired their wingers, and I think that's where. Um, I think the Seattle will take a similar role. And when you have a stud goaltender, even let's say if he's, um, yeah, I apologize for some of the noise in the background. I'm in the high traffic area, so I apologize okay. to everybody listening. Um, you know, you build through the middle. You build through your centers, your goaltender, and your defense. And then you, yeah. you, you augment around that. And when you have guys like Adam Henrique and Carey Price and Mark Giordano available, you know, you've got to build the core. You can't look at... Uh, oh, I, I could fit this under the salary cap and all these players like Tarasenko, no offense. You build from, you get your goaltender, which in my opinion, it's worth the $10 million for Carey Price. You've got, you know, you've got Drittiger already, if I'm not pronouncing that right. I apologize from Florida because apparently from what I've read and most people have confirmed it, they've got him on a three by three and a half mm-hmm. contract. So there's your, your, there's your second um, uh, goaltender. And if Carrie's out for half a season, he, he carries support till Carrie gets back. And then with Giordano, I think you, you take that risk. I think you, Giordano's still, you know, a Norris Trophy defenseman from what, two seasons ago or one season yeah. ago? Yeah, so, it wasn't that long. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, build from the back end and, and you build your centers, you work around that. The least amount of, that you should spend on your cap is maybe one high price winger, but after that, there are wingers that can be had and your centers can fill those needs. And, and I think that's what, how I would build it if I was a Seattle crack. Yeah. I mean, I've got a similar route. I mean, I got Giordano uh, leading the defense there. And, you know, my got Troy Stetcher in there too. I mean, there's few guys that are available that aren't high salary guys that you can build a pretty decent defense around. And, yeah, like you said, with Price, I, I would actually go forward with going for, you know, picking him. The thing is, is he is still a legitimate franchise goaltender. It's not like he's past his prime or anything like that. And I don't think this injury is going to really derail anything um, in his career. I think it just needs to be done. But I mean, like you said, he he's out for half the season. And Dredeger can uh, hold down the fort till then and you go from there. Uh, but he's a personality. He's a big star in the nhl i mean to bring fans to i mean i don't know if they're gonna need help getting fans but you know that's a name you can market around and like you said with what they did with flurry uh in vegas that that kind of set them set them on the right path and you build from him from him out and they built a pretty good team uh to start so I think one of the things too about Kerry and, and what they're doing is Kerry's have very good success against this division specifically. Yeah. He's he's pretty much undefeated against the Canucks. You know that he's he's stoned the Oilers. He's he's you know he's you know it, it, it just it's a it's a really good situation. His family's from Anaheim Lake, which is up near Hunter Mile House, so right yeah. next door to his family. There's just so many bonuses to, to do that. And yeah, it's a high salary. It sucks because $10.5 million is not cheap. However, um, if he's available, I, I just think there are few franchise people. And when you can bring in, say, three or four franchise players that can be your core, I think you go for that. I don't think I, like I said, I don't think I go for Tarasenko because of his injury issues. Um, and he wants a trade anyways out of St. Louis. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I just, I don't think I don't know where his head's at. It'd be to me, I'd be a little concerned about that. I think there's enough players out there with uh, Victor Rask, Adam Henrique, 
that there's your one-two punch down center. That is just as good as, as any other centers, maybe a little lesser than some, but more than good enough to compete in this division. Um, and especially when they could augment it on the third and fourth lines. Yeah, it's, it's big. And there are some other names that other than price out there that like you mentioned, Tarasenko, I, I probably wouldn't go for him either. Um, but you got guys in Philly, like Voracek, um, Nashville, Johansson and Duchesne. Um, do you go for one of those guys? And do you think the Kraken kind of swallow the salary just for potential that they could I think uh, that's turn a, around? I think that's a really good question. I think the problem is, is what, what do you get in Matt Duchesne? Do you get the player who was the stud in Colorado but kind of had an attitude? Or do you get the Duchesne who was traded to Ottawa, who was traded to Nashville, who has really struggled in Nashville, and now he's, now he's kind of like out of favor, but he's got this high-priced salary? I don't think I do that. I think you want character guys. I think you want guys that come in, work hard. And I don't think Duchesne is the type of guy or the leader that's capable of doing that. I think you gotta, maybe you gotta avoid him. And to be honest, Ryan Johansson, I think it's at the end of his career I, I, mm-hmm. or it's close to it. Right. Again, we've, we've seen this with these, a lot of these older players. I mean, very few players are like Sidney Crosby at the age of, and also Vetchkin, but the ages of 35, and 34 can continue to, to put that out. I mean, let's, let's just be, let's call a spade a spade. Ovechkin is the best goal scorer in the history of this game, period. Yeah. If he played in the 80s, he would have scored 120 goals, 140 goals. I mean, it's just ridiculous. He's that stinking good. Um, and, and very few players are like him. And so if you pick Johansson, it, is, is that what you're picking? Are you picking a player that you think at that age is going to be able to contribute in the point range that you need to compete? Because let's, if you run down the division again, you're going up against 100, 110 to 130 point McDavid and Dreisaitl. Then yeah. you're going up against easily a 100 to a 90 point Pedersen and an 80 point Horvat. Um, you're, you, you go down the list of, of what's available for these point players. You have to be able to compete. And that's why Dickinson is so good because if, if you've got Adam Henrique and a guy like Dickinson, whose numbers reflect how good defensively he is, you know, you can probably shut him down. But we know how defensible, we know how defensively minded both Pedersen and um, and Horvat are. So it's just, you know, <laughs> all these things factor in when you're building your team. You're building for your division because you're playing all those teams four times. Yeah. You only play the other team twice. Once on your home rank, once at theirs. Other than that, you're playing these other teams four times. So you're building against your division. So is Ryan Johansson the guy that's going to allow you to compete in that division and, and keep up with those guys? I don't think he is, and I don't think it's worth that high salary and contract. Yeah, I agree with that. And you got to look at it, too, of who's coaching the team and who's running the team. Uh, you look at Ron Francis and uh, Dave Haxtell, they're both guys that, you know, from their history, like that gritty type kind of in your face type players and that's we got to look at it too when you're looking at what guys they are looking at and uh i don't know if johansson kind of fits that mold or duchene does either so it's it'll be interesting to see how that factors in as well the style of play that these two the guys that are you know basically leading the team and have input in who's getting picked Do you, do you know who I think might sign in Seattle? I'm going to throw this out there because he's an unrestricted free agent now. He just got his contract bought out. I think Ryan Studer is a guy that you could give him on a lower salary because he's been bought out and he's got a bunch of money from his, from his contract being bought out. 
And I think Ryan Suter's just exactly the type of guy that could come in and be a part of that anchor on defense with Giordano. I had Stetcher on mine too. I think you want him to anchor your third pairing. Um, if you could get Giordano, Ryan Suter, and um, and Troy Stetcher, I think your defense is, is pretty damn solid. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a good point. I mean, Suter, uh, he still, I think, has a lot in the tank. Um, not at that salary, mind you, but uh, he can still uh, lead a defense and help lead a defense. Um, so that's a, that's a name to actually keep an eye on. Um, let's look well, at... I don't think you're yeah. ever... I don't think you're... I was just going to say, I don't think you're going to see someone pay him what he got paid in, in uh, Minnesota. I think he's going to take a reduced salary probably in the $5 million range. And even a team like Vancouver... If that's what you got there, I think you jump all over that. I oh. think you jump all over that like like a like a fly on you know what, <laughs> and you see what happens there. Honestly, yeah, that that's an interesting point. And uh, like I said, he still has a lot to give. I think in this in the NHL, and he's you know he's getting bought. He got bought out, so he's got some money. He's not going to be uh, looking for the big salary uh, to start here. So, yeah, that's interesting to, to watch. Um, let's, let's look at some under the radar type players, like not the big names, but guys that could break out like a William Carlson, um, guys like that. Uh, what type of guys do you think could potentially do that with the Kraken, uh, that aren't, that are kind of flying under, will fly under the radar. Okay. So, you know, about, uh, Alex Kerfoot, this is kind of what I, I had on my, um, my third line for them because it was inexpensive, but I think it would have been a really good like fourth line. I think they have Eric Halla. I think uh, 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 Kara from Edmonton. I know he's an unrestricted free agent, but he actually be a really good uh, player that way. Brandon Tanev at three million is available. I think um, I know Kerfoot from Toronto. We've talked about that, but Don Skoy is a really good one. Um, but the other one that I would put on my top right wing, honestly, is Connor Sherry. Connor Sherry yeah. is a guy who played with Sidney Crosby. He's won a couple cups. He knows how to score goals. He's not really being talked about. I would be all over him. I think Connor Sherry, with with um, whether it's Victor Rask, who's had a really good season. Um, I know Phil Pull is kind of out there, but his salary is a little high. But Connor Sherry, right now, right now, he's on contract for one point five million dollars. I don't know if there's there's issues or what, but. I mean, this is a guy who was a legit bona fide goal scorer. And again, you, when you look at either Marsha show or like you said, um, William Carlson, they had similar numbers and then they go and they, they turn into bona fide top two players, top two line players. I think Connor Sherry is one that I would really um, look at myself. Yeah, I've got a couple names on, on mine too. And biggest one for me, I mean, he hasn't proven to be a top goal scorer in the NHL yet and is Ross Colton in Tampa. Um, young player, restricted free agent, but he's got a lot of potential and he could realize it as, you know, coming into a team that, and potentially could play in the second, third line to start and looked really good in the playoffs. That That's one of mine. Uh, Dominic Cahoon and Edmonton is another name that I'm kind of looking at as well. So there are some players out there that could potentially be those, that type. Um, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to challenge you on uh, Colton. The reason I'm going to challenge you on Colton is we saw how deep the Tampa Bay Lightning were. I mean, they were they were four lines deep, yeah. and they were six six defense deep. <laughs> and, and 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 we know there's really good players who raise other players' uh, levels. We saw that with the city. I mean, look at Jason King, Anson Carter. Right. I mean, and and you know they they raised their level up. Um, I'm not sure that Colton 
would would be that type of player. Um, you know, I, I mean, I can run through what I have here. Uh, I think Tavoy's Ryder uh, would be a really good one, to be perfectly honest. I don't have him in, like, top six. I'm just guys that I, I think of. Um, but another one is um, again at two and a half million dollars. Again, yeah. you're trying to navigate this massive cap, and if you're going to take Harry Price ten point five, like this is what I had on defense without um, signing Suda. I had, and and this is in no particular order, just just who I picked: um, Vince Dunn, Mike Giordano, uh, Zadorov, um, Ole- uh, Alexiak from uh, Dallas, Troy Stetcher, Olimata. That's what I had. And then I had uh, Ruda and, uh, and uh, Justin Braun as uh, my, my other two, um, you know, backups. And, and I think those are the players that, that they're going to want to look towards because they're, these are like three, four guys, right? Giordano's yeah. a top player. Zadorov, you know, is a top parent player. He was that in, in Colorado or worst case, a, a three, four. That's what they're looking for, I think. And, and that depth and having that ability, all these guys are puck movers too. Um, I know Vince Dunn has been been victimized before as a defenseman, but overall, this where you this is where you need to really um, let that cap work for you and let those players work for you and, and get them uh, get them working for you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, there's a few of those names that I got on my team too. I got uh, yeah Giordano, uh, Stetcher, I, I and Dunn. Um, I'm looking at you know I have a few other younger defensemen, uh, Jake Bean. Is another one that I got on him. Will Butcher, who I mean, hasn't had a last season wasn't that good, but his rookie season was ridiculous. So I mean, he could turn it around uh, in Seattle. I'm um, Dylan Demello. It's another one of mine, and Colin Miller. Um, so I mean, oh, Connor Clifton is another one that I'm kind of looking at as being a young, still relatively young, under a low salary that could uh, potentially be a surprise in Seattle. Do you, do you, let me ask you a question. Do you see another Shea Theodore, like what, um, Anaheim gave up to Vegas? Like I, what I'm seeing from this with the difference between this expansion draft and the last one, those players aren't there. Those no. players that are just developing and, you know, they have other players they need to protect. So they're going to give that asset up. Like, I don't see that this year, but, but, you know, I'm just curious about your thoughts on that. No, it's true. I don't see that type of uh, those deals. The Suns don't seem to be there. I mean, they would have already happened. Um, but yeah, that Shea Theodore thing, it was just a one once in a lifetime type of thing that happened. Um, and I mean, I know Anaheim's probably looking at it now and saying, well, we shouldn't have done that deal, but there's other guys they thought had more potential and that's just how it went. But I, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there's anything there this year. You know, they're going to get a bonafide top number one defense, young defenseman right off the bat. And and those deals are just not there this year. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. At least that's what I'm seeing. But I mean, you know, um, I think Seattle has the, the ability to obviously be a, a strong team. Um, and and this goes to my, you know, my little commentary here, my little opine. Um, I'm really disappointed in the Canucks fans that are not only jumping ship. But like, oh, I'm a Kraken fan now, and they're going to be better than Vancouver and all this. Like, like, you know what? It, it just go, it just just go. Then stop yeah. claiming to be a Canucks fan, and, and stop. You know, when Vancouver is going to be an amazing team because they are, because their core is just phenomenal. Um, yeah. You know, don't 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 hop on. Don't sit there and say I'm a lifelong Canucks fan. I'm so happy or whatever. Like, you know, internally be it, but I'm just done with this. Like, I'm just done. I, I don't even go on. Twitter hardly anymore. It's just not worth reading. It's not worth reading anymore. It's not. It's not fun. It's not. 
there's no healthy debates anymore. It's it's basically no, it's no offensive. It's just and I, I know this sounds bad. It's not meant to, but you know we know how annoying it is or frustrating it is when people say, oh, you have to accept, you know, you have to accept Christ in your life if you're going to live. And, and some people are good or bad. And it's not like a religious commentary. It's the same thing with Connect Twitter now. It's either Jim Benny needs to be fired or or you know. Uh, everything's okay but if you don't accept it i mean people just attack people i'm just i'm just so tired of it it's not fun so if you're gonna go cheer for seattle go cheer for seattle you know and, and stop stop crapping on the team because yeah. it just it isn't fun anymore it's not fun to do and you're allowed to be critical and i'm all for that um just the way it's gone it's just it just isn't fun anymore and, and i really like this exercise because i think what we were able to show is that there's a value out there um, it's not as easy as people think. Some people come in and, oh, I can easily make this, you know, this team for Seattle. You're just throwing, throwing stuff at the wall. There's, there's so many more factors to it than just this player, that player. It, it, you got a coach there that has a, a mentality of how he wants the team to play. I would ask the coach first what kind of team he's trying to put together and what he wants to play and then find the players that fit that mold versus, versus what I think the team should be and what the team – you know, could be based off of what I think. It should be what the coach thinks. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's what happened in Vegas their first season. They had a coach that, Jaron Galanti, I think they built that team according to what he liked. And that's why it meshed so well right at the beginning. And I think that's what Seattle's going to try to do too. And you look at Dave Haxtell as a coach and even the GM and Ron Francis of who he was as a player. I think that's what they're going to be valuing is those is some values that they um, that they like. And we're going to see that type of team, um, molded in their direction. Right. I think you just nailed it. Like, I mean, I think you nailed it now because that's what it's going to be determining. And again, I know this sounds weird, but George McPhee had two teams in the Stanley cup final in 2018. He yeah. built that Washington capitals team, you know, was let go because of the challenges they had. They finally got over the hump. Um, but it was pretty much his team completely. And then, um, and, and now, you know, and then of course the, the Vegas Golden Knights, in this case, Rob Francis, you know, he's got the ability now to, to mold this team, like you said. And really that's what we should be looking at before we start describing, because he may not sit there and say, I want to build from the goaltender out. He may want to go down a different road and that's going to determine all the moves that they make. And, and, you know, before we start throwing things out, I think that's why I, I, I put the team together. I did is, is exactly what you said was, okay, who's, who is, who is he? Who's the coach? What are they looking for? I kind of tried to build my team that way. That doesn't mean I'm right. And it doesn't mean I'm, I, I'm legit because you know what, I'm, I'm not uh, in, in hockey and there's a lot smarter people than me, um, you know, in the NHL and in management positions, that's for sure. Yeah. The thing is too, is, you know, that you can say that, oh, they have huge cap space. They got, like full cap space. But the thing is, they still got to look down the road. Um, you know, you get a guy like, well, so there's an example. And uh, you take a guy like Jacob Voracek. He's got 8.25 million for the next bunch of years, um, next three years. And do you want to be dealing with that type of salary three years down the road or even two years? I mean, it's not just looking at, oh yeah, we can fit him under the cap. We're at huge cap space right now. Um, but that may not be the case down the road. And you're looking at players that you get and uh, you draft, you sign and that you want to keep over them. And then you're in trouble. So there's so much to think about. I mean, I'm glad I'm not in that position. It's a, it's a lot. to do. 
yeah no 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 and i think the other thing you said was was really good too and um I, to me what it boils down to is you're competing in the pacific so you got to deal with those players those centers you're also um you've got a salary cap you got the second overall pick this year yeah is that player going to be good enough to come into your lineup and alleviate some of that so so all of these things play a huge role and nobody's nobody's picking that out people are just picking names and throwing them out there and oh here you go and without really thinking about the salary cap and thinking about the gm and the coach and and the makeup of the team and, and team chemistry, all those things. I, I just, you know, we're, there's too many armchair quarterbacks out here. I think, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I know I'm one of them, but uh, you know, at least we we could put a little more thought into what we're trying to do before we uh, before we sit there and 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 throw throw names out there. Yeah, just to finish up this discussion, that you point out something that is massive in my opinion is the chemistry factor. Um, that's what kind of drove the Vegas Golden Knights is that they felt that they were kind of them against the world type mentality. And they came together as a team. Um, you got to think about personalities that are coming into dressing rooms too. It's not just the player. Like we mentioned about Duchesne. Uh, you want to bring in a guy like that into your dressing room. There's another big factor you're looking at, not just looking at the on ice type stuff, but what are they going to be in the dressing room? That's why the discussion about Jake for is moot. I mean, no one's going to, they're not going to pick the guy. Um, because of the drama that he brings in right away. Um, there's certain players that are just going to be avoided. It doesn't matter what type of player they are. Um, I think that's a huge point. As well. I, will, I will say to that that I do not believe you're going to see the same um, – I do not believe you're going to see the same level of, um, uh, of apathy to Vegas like you did because we were, we were tricked with Vegas Golden Knights based off of previous expansion draft and expansion and player availability, that sort of thing. Um, we were fooled just mentally on that. The GMs weren't prepared and weren't fooled. They're prepared. They know what's going on. And these teams, no offense, they're going to be gunning for them because they're not going to want another Vegas Golden Knight. They think, look at Vegas. They've been to a Stanley Cup final and two conference finals in four years. Do you think that sits well with, the, with every other team around the league? No. Not a chance. <laughs> it, just not a chance like like teams are going to play them hard they're not going to take them easy every point counts this year and it's not going to be like it was with vegas where by the time vegas was rolling they had pretty much won the division and there really wasn't anything anybody else could do about it yeah no it's gonna to be totally different and they're not going to want that that's why the side deals aren't happening i mean because because of that they don't want to be duped into things and and get screwed over just like they did in the last uh, expansion draft and that's why we're not seeing the same level of movement we may see some uh after the draft uh, after the expansion draft in these deals like depends on who they pick like you looked at what vegas did last time as well as they picked guys and then they traded them so we'll see what happens afterwards because there's going to be a lot of, i think there's going to be some movement um before the draft or even at the draft uh, so it's going to be an interesting uh, next few days, that's for sure. Yep, I agree. I agree. Yeah, so just to finish up this episode, um, I mean, I'd love to do a huge episode on the draft, but uh, let's just touch on the draft a bit. Uh, we'll, do a, we'll do an episode after afterwards. Um, who do you think is the Canucks target at ninth overall? There's a few names that uh, kind of pop out, but who do you think? 
if he's available, I believe it's Johnston. Is that correct? And Johnson. If if he's a yeah, if he's available, that's what I say. He's a center. He's really good. He's probably a year or two away. Yeah. But at some point, you're going to have to replace other players. JT Miller is not going to be with the team all the time. I mean, the core of your team is, uh, you know, uh, and by the way, I hate all the bastard trade rumors all the time. Oh, hey, it's ridiculous. And I'm glad they addressed it basically saying like, yeah, if you want X player, then Besser has to be a part of it. And it's like, then they're not just not going to give them up. The character, quality characteristics of those players is there. And I think the re-signing of Travis Green really showed where the players' heads were at, where I believe the Canucks should have moved on from him personally. I, that I, I would have moved on from him, but the players vouched. And the players were the ones that said, no, re-sign the coach. We like the coach. Yeah. That tells you the character of these players, that they want to redeem the coach. You don't trade those players away. You just don't. No. So Besser, Pedersen, Horvat, um, you know, probably Pod Coles and Hoglander, Quinn Hughes, like your core team, you want to keep that core team together for sure. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, you don't trade any of this core guys. And uh, there's been talk about Horvat being traded too, too. And it's like, no, you don't do that stuff yet. And uh, I think I think you stick this core and see what they can do and just kind of build around them right now. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, a lot and of I think that's why Johnson now. would fit in. Is be- yeah, and I think that's why, yeah, and that's why Johnson fits in because yeah. Johnson would be a player you can develop, bring in, and 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 bring you know bring him along. And I think that that's really really important. And, and you know, at least from my perspective, that if he's available, that's who you go after. Um, otherwise, I think you try and get a defenseman who can slot in as soon as possible on the team because. Um, I think right now, as, as good as – at least I believe their defense is better than they played last year. I just don't put much stock in the COVID season. Um, I think it's better than they say it is. I still think you need players because if Jet Wu's not – like like they're already saying, oh, Jet Wu's not going to play. Well, when is he going to play? Uh, so, I mean, he's, he was drafted, what, four years ago. Am I not mistaken on that? Yeah. Was it three four or four years ago? I think it was four. So, it, so he should be playing. No offense. You same should, draft, he, same draft he, he, Yeah, so he should be playing with the team. He should be able to make the lineup. He should be able to do that. Jack Rathbone has shown now he will be, and that's why they're capable of moving on from Alex Edler. And they're going to be a better, faster team because of that. Um, in my opinion, if you can't get that, you go for the best defenseman available, and you try and slot them in and get them, get them moving. That's my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And the uh, big thing is Brad Larson coming in as, you know, I think is where the Canucks as a whole is going to be better defensively under him. And uh, so we'll, we'll see how that changes stuff. But yeah, I agree. I think Kent Johnson's a big target. I've mentioned Fabian Lysel, but I've been kind of crucified for that pick because apparently it's too high. Um, but I mean, yeah, Kent Johnson, Mason McTavish, if he's still available, the Canucks should take him. I thought, I thought Elias, I thought Elias Patterson was dra- drafted too high at number five overall too. Was he not? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people thought that was too high for him, and uh, but I, I love Lysel's game. Matt. But <laughs> I, I, I believe, I believe in you. Stick to your guns, man. Look at Cole Caulfield and what he did this year. Craig Button was so high on him, and all these teams passed because of his size. And no offense, Cole Caulfield once he came in. He was one of the biggest reasons Montreal went to Stanley Cup final. He's, yeah. he's just his goal scoring ability is that good. Now we'll translate in the regular season. We'll see. We're going back to the regular divisions. They're not going to be able to feed off of off of teams that are not built 
to play them. They're built yeah. to play against Tampa Bay, Toronto. They're built to play against Boston and Florida. And yeah. it's going to be tougher for Montreal next year. It's going to be tougher for all these teams. I think Vancouver will come ahead because Vancouver is built for the Pacific Division and they're yeah, built to play Vegas and Edmonton and, and Calgary, which teams Vancouver had success against. This is, these are the, this is why it just it drives me nuts when people sit there and go, oh, well, last season they had this many goals, blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. when you're playing teams that, that you're built to – really sick you know you're, you're not built to, to you weren't built to to beat montreal you're built to beat these other teams to get to a yeah. final and then see what happens at that point um so at least that's my that's my opinion on that too and i don't think i'm far off on that comment no i 100 percent agree with that and that's a that's a actually a big point huge point is that yeah the canucks aren't built for that and playing against a team that you only play once or twice or no twice a year is and they all of a sudden you're playing them nine times it's ridiculous so and that's with every other team as well and i think the biggest thing was this this season just has to be just thrown away this past season so and we'll go back to normal next season and uh everything will kind of fall back into what's supposed to be so um but yeah and, and one, i'm sticking with last... the, i'm sticking with the lifestyle pick i mean <laughs> nice i like it i like it i think i'm hoping they draft them now because i i trust you man i really do uh one last thing i want to say though the biggest offseason signing for vancouver 100 percent, was uh, ian clark and oh. the long-term deal that's the, like number one yeah that that's a huge huge deal um you know if the Canucks would have lost him it would have been a huge huge uproar and not just that but it's just you look at the what he's done with the goaltenders and uh, what the goal every goalie that's dealt with that's been coached by him and raves about him. He's yeah, he was probably the number one signing in the offseason, and I'm glad they got it done. Yeah, Demko's gonna thrive because of it. Honestly, he's gonna thrive because of it. Yeah. So yeah, that uh, that wraps up this this episode of uh, you know after a huge hiatus, and hopefully we'll be going to more normal. Uh, episodes here and it's going to be fun off season. I think there's it, just so much uncertainty, so much stuff that could happen, not just on the Canucks, but everywhere else. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad everyone's kind of stuck behind. I've had some comments um, from people that where are we, where, you know, where are the episodes and uh, we're back. So uh, it's going to be a fun, fun off season. Hopefully we'll get some more episodes going and you can follow us on Twitter at uh, Canucks Pucks and, yeah, just keep listening. Uh, we'll try to get some more episodes out there. Go Canucks, go. Yeah, go Canucks, go.